When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Out to Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Busy, busy Tuesday. Good stuff. Talking Texas as the odds favorite to win the Big 12 this year. That according to the Vogue folks in Vegas. Plus 160 right now. Transfer portal is closed. Steve Sarkeesian says uh, they don't feel like they have any pressing needs like their team where they're at. And they're ready to roll. Then there's David Pollock from ESPN who says, Not so fast. Longhorns haven't won a Big 12 championship in 14 years. I'm not buying. I would would say this to David Pollock. If you're not buying Texas, who are you buying? Because K-State would be, according to Vegas, Texas is plus 160. Oklahoma, what, plus 330 around that range. Then it's K-State and TCU, then Texas Tech down near the plus 700-plus range. So Texas not just the favorite, but the heavy favorite, according to Vegas, to uh, run the table and be in the Big 12 championship game, try to win it. But uh, that's some football chatter we've got. Also uh, recapping the draft and – where your team ranks after the uh, the talent acquisition period. You know, in the NFL, from March 15th through the end of April is really when you acquire talent, make trades, free agency, uh, re-signing your own players, and then the draft, of course. And that is now all done. Most rosters around the NFL pretty much complete at this point. Could be a trade or two. Could be some moves made. But for, for teams pretty much done, you can start to zero in on what that, uh, you know, the power rankings and who are the favorites who've done the best in that six-week window to improve their football team. Feels like the Cowboys have. I think somebody texted me earlier, Buck, and said, what's your grade for the Cowboys for their offseason? I gave it an A-. minus. I think the Cowboys, you know, it went better than I thought it was going to go, I think. I mean, I knew they weren't going to have a lot of money to spend in free agency, but and they really haven't been active in the market. But, man, to, to, re- to retain Leighton Van Der Esch and Anthony Brown and um, you know some of the key cogs that they needed to get re-signed uh, on their own yeah, defense. they did that. They certainly did. And then the acquisitions of Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. And you know, they let Dalton Schultz go, but they feel they took a tight end in the second round here to go with Jake Ferguson. So uh, I think about an A. What do you think for the Cowboys this offseason as far as a grade? I would say probably A-. minus. I thought they did okay. They well, were just fine. And this is, you know, I, th- I know last year, I mean, I gave the Cowboys a D for their offseason, and and part of it was how good the Eagles were. The Eagles stepped on the gas, acquired a, acquired AJ Brown. They went Brown. back to back A's. Yeah, they they you know, well, that's the thing, right? With the Eagles, you went D, they went A. You followed it up with an A, A minus this year, and the, but they also had another A. I feel like now they lost Javon Hargrave and some guys in free agency, but they also re- replaced some of their key guys. Got Darius Slay back uh, to to play on the corner. They made some moves in their secondary, and then the draft that they just had and the acquisition of DeAndre Swift yeah, at running back, pretty I, I dang good. Feel, yeah, I feel about the Cowboys is they, they need their running back, whoever running back's going to be, to really step out and do some things. I, I worry about Tony Pollard because he's going to carry the ball a lot now, 
And will he be able to make those type well, of big I mean, plays when he's made those specialty type plays when he had somebody like Zeke, you know, helping him out with the carries? Well, or is he going to be their bell cow? I mean, I think he can, but then I don't expect a lot of those, you know, those big time plays, those 40, 50 yard runs that he has yeah. when he just outruns guys and shakes and bakes them. I just think that'll wear down on him as the season goes on. Now, do I think he can run inside the tackles and still be good? I definitely do, but I think his big play ability gets hurt unless he, if, and but I don't care if he becomes the bell guy guy with 1400 yards or 1200 yards that's fine with me. That's, well, that's fine. That's what they're expecting him to be and that okay. look the reason the Cowboys ended up with a D last year was mainly the Amari Cooper trade and then not replacing him. I mean I felt like and you know whether I was prophetic or not giving them a low grade when they got to the to nut crunch in time in the playoffs they didn't have enough weapons. Right. And that and now Jerry Jones and Steven Jones have admitted that that was a mistake that you know, they, they put too much hope in the hope basket that Michael Gallup would get healthy and that other guys would step up. And, you know, I don't think you make moves in this six-week period with hope. And I think that's what you're saying about Tony Pollard. That's the only concern I have for the Cowboys there is I think we're we're hoping that Tony Pollard can be the every-down workhorse running back. Well, then if, that's fine because I think he'll do fine running the ball. But if lot. he's not able to do that, I mean, the Cowboys, their own coaching staff has admitted in the past, we don't want him to have to fill that role. We don't know that he's suited for it. Remember, Tony Pollard, even at Memphis in college, was more of a receiver than a running back. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he can't. I'm just I'm not big on putting things in the hope category because you're you're hoping that he can become that, but you don't have any insurance behind it. If he doesn't, right. who's your running back? Right. I mean, who's the who? He's he is a big play guy. On specialty plays, and we've seen him do that. But on an, on an every down basis, if he's going to be that every down back, I mean, he's going to gather a bunch of yardage. But the big plays, who's going to be the exciting Turpin? Is he going to be your guy? Well, maybe Deuce Vaughn jumps in there well, and becomes that guy. Um, but yeah, I'm also not huge on on you know rookies and certainly six round rookies coming in, and you're you're hoping that they're impactful. You hope Deuce Vaughn's a piece down the road, but Kansas um, City found one last year. That dude, Isaiah Pacheco. But that's not every year. You're not. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. And every I think year. I think Andy Reid would tell you though that was a surprise that Isaiah Pacheco Absolutely. was as good as he was, and it really wasn't until later in the year that he emerged. But yeah, you have a whole season to develop these players. And Absolutely. I'm, but I think the Cowboys have put themselves back into the conversation. I think they've had a good off season, better than I thought they would. Thought the cap would get them, and they'd have to to lose some key pieces, but they didn't. Donovan Wilson is back at safety. Leighton Van Der Esch is back. Jordan Lew- I mean, uh, Anthony Brown is back at corner. Love Stephon Gilmore in the back end. I mean, their defense, and then taking Mozzie Smith uh, last Thursday night to anchor the run defense, I really like it. I mean, yeah. their their defense is set to, to be among the best, if not the best, in the league. How does the offense come right. along? What does Mike McCarthy's fingerprints look like all over this offense? And Ty, I may be wrong on that. Maybe Pollard can carry this thing out and still make the big plays later in the season. But this is a 17-game season. You know what I mean? Maybe in game 14, he's still making big runs from the running back position. I just I just think that'll wear him. If he's the guy who's going to carry it a lot, and I'm fine with it because I think he'll get yardage with carries. I just don't know. His big play ability has helped him out an awful lot, you know? Yeah, But definitely. can you do that from the running back position for 17 games where you're going to have that kind of big play? He had specialty plays, you know, screens and things like that that got him loose out there. Well, he was their starting running back last year and their leading ball carrier. But Zeke carried some of that mail, right, especially in goal line situations. I mean, they moved towards this last year with Pollard and the big plays. I'm fine with it. I I, I would rather have him do that than to be that. I'd rather have him my every down kind of guy because I think he can take that. Sure, I I think so too. But the question, the, the hope question is if he gets hurt or if he's not able to handle, he's got to miss some games, who's there? Who's the next guy? I don't have a good answer for that just yet. They, they they say they wanted to address it in the draft, and they didn't. You know, they went lines of scrimmage on the defensive side, and then at tight end, 
And then, you know, again, Ty, what would, what would you say Malik Davis is the next guy, or what are we doing here? He believes in Malik Davis. He likes him. I genuinely think they're going to bring back Zeke, but I do like Malik Davis. Uh, I don't think Ronald Jones is that Here's guy. what I want you to quit doing. Quit smoking that stuff that you want to bring back Zeke. Well, he, I don't, don't. Jerry Jones is the one keeping fans in the mix because Jerry Jones has said, we very well could, the ship hasn't sailed on that. They're still talking to Zeke. Now, the fact that Zeke has been on the open market for six weeks and hasn't gotten really a sniff should probably tell Jerry Jones, move on. Yeah, he'd probably go younger. play for $100,000. Well, let me just say it this way. Well, the Eagles, I mean, this is who you're comparing yourself to is Philadelphia. Okay. The Eagles were a three-headed monster last year that won the division at running back with Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott. The Cowboys were Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Well, Zeke Elliott is gone. I don't know that they have they have found a replacement for Zeke Elliott as that second running back. Meanwhile, the Eagles got rid of Miles Sanders, but they've added DeAndre Swift. Uh, they've added they Rashad the Penny. Guys. Yes, Penny. And they still have Gainwell and Scott. So they've actually upgraded the receiver, running back position in my mind. You know, the, the Cowboys are ready to weaponize Tony Pollard. I know you're concerned he'll wear down. They're saying, no, 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 we needed to get him in, in, in good shape and ready to crank More this touches, thing. More touches. Yeah. yeah. They, they want him to be, you know, a, a, a primary weapon for them, along with C.D. Lamb and improving Michael Gallup and then Brandon Cooks in the receiving game. Uh, but they're going to want to run the ball. I mean, that's really going to be the biggest key. Uh, we'll talk more Cowboys coming up. Texans as well coming off the draft. Longhorns is the odds favorite to win the Big 12. But right now, every Tuesday uh, in this spot, we talk some college baseball uh, with our man Ty Harrington on the Vaqueros Hotline. 20 years a skipper at Texas State. He's a lifetime Longhorn for sure. What's up there, uh, Skipper? Gentlemen, how are you guys doing this morning? We're good. We're, We're good. good. We're good, Coach. Doing well. Hey, let me start with this question because I don't know if you heard us talking to Jerry Hamilton last hour about how college basketball is becoming like college baseball has been where, you know, who you recruit is important. Like, I mean, you know, now Rodney Terry's losing guys to the NBA that he's got signed as high school players. Uh, but baseball's been dealing with that for a long time when you're recruiting the top of the top and you know that – you know the the summer baseball draft could gobble up some of those guys you've gotten commitment from. Talk to about talk about that from a from a baseball manager's perspective when you're trying to build your roster. It is a challenge. It is really a challenge because the whole time you're trying to manage, you know. And again, back when I was doing it, you had 27 guys that could be on aid. That was the most, and then you were balancing 11.7, and then you were trying to balance you know, how many guys that you thought you signed, there was a chance that they were going to sign professionally. And then also you got to take into consideration the guys that you, you know, had on your current team as to whether they were coming out as juniors and or draft eligible 21 year olds. And so trying to balance that was a challenge uh, and it is. And, you know, baseball has really historically been the only ones that have had to battle through that when you're trying to make it all make sense with the equivalency sport and, and number of spots that you had available, you asked every baseball coach, college baseball coach who was coaching in the, you know, the 2015s to now, or even before trying to make that balance out was a work of art and, and trying to figure out how not to go over, you know, and then the NCAA would you know, leave you if you went over, you know, say by a half a scholarship, then the next year you would have to pay back that half and then another half so that meant there was a way to do but you didn't want to do that because that meant you were, you know, leaving some scholarship out on your team, away from your team. So it, it is not easy in trying to project. You, you think, and a lot of people think that, and it is part of it, you sit down with each individual and you talk about 
what is it that's, you know, in your mind, what is your mindset? What are you feeling? What are you thinking about the professional side of it? And most of the time the kids would be and the parents and everybody involved would be really, really upfront about it, uh, you know, with you and trying to judge what you were trying to figure out how to, you know, make sense of all of it. But in the end, uh, a lot of guys would just, Coach, it's always been my dream. I think if every college baseball coach has heard this 10, they've heard it 100 times, and rightfully so, mind you, that a young man would say, it's always been my dream to play professional baseball, right? And so it, it is really hard to manage. And for basketball, and I, I don't know the, you know, the – in-depth part of it about what it does for them scholarship wise and them being able to you know hold people on there long enough and then if they lose one replacing them and all those different things uh, i'm not completely familiar with that i can only guess but if you're asking me you know every college baseball coach through july 1 or july 15 it was always a challenge to try to figure that out and if you go back to the early 2000 and the 90s which is aging me then it was the very first moment they stepped foot in a classroom that meant that they <laughs> wow. weren't going to sign now can you imagine that no trying to hold on and and, and walk. now there were times in my career at, at the university of texas when i was a young assistant and then obviously at texas state and other places you walked them to class that first day <laughs> to make sure they to make sure they got in there to report in and um and show up on campus so and, and there were always guys still negotiating, you know, back through, you know, all summer and you were, you know, left with, you know, hey, you know, can you give us a definitive answer? And there was just a lot of things that, that took place in that. And it was always stressful uh, for college coaches to have to work their way through that. You know, but you but, but for, for, for baseball coaches, coach, you had numbers that would be right in front of you to let you and you had an idea. Oh, no, this guy's a major league baseball player. He's out of here. I mean. Did you always, did you, I mean, and, and guys could be more upfront with you because the numbers would help you, you know? Uh, on, yeah, on the numbers they, would help. Yeah, the, Bucky, not to, I'm sorry to interrupt. The, the numbers would help you, but it was, it was still, you would have this every once in a while, a person who was like, I just, it's always been my dream to right. go play. And, you know, and it, they may go in the 30th round and even back then, and remember now, you go way back into the you know nineties to early two thousands. You're talking about a draft that went until somebody got done. You know, the Yankees sometimes would draft a hundred oh, rounds. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I'm sorry, but yeah, Bucky, your Yankees would go a hundred rounds. And so there's uh, and so there was always that just you know hanging on to. Yes, we had the numbers in front of us. Yes, we had an idea of who we thought was going to be a professional player. But back then, you know, they had their minor league systems were so big and so many number of teams, they had spots they had to fill. Wow. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're talking about that with Rodney Terry now dealing with that at the basketball level where guys who were signed are now all of a sudden using the leverage of the G League and professional leagues and demanding some playing time numbers and things like that that are making it difficult, to say the least. But a uh, baseball coach has been dealing with it for a long time. I was asked this recently, and I didn't have the answer. Ty, do you know why it's 11.7? Does that Was there a reason that it's not 12, not 11, but 11.7 scholarships to divvy up among the entirety of the roster? I'm going to go back in my mind, and I may not be right on this, and so this is going to be a guesstimation. Um, I remembered it was 15 um, back when I was playing at the University of Texas, or maybe the latter part of my career. Then it went to 13, um, trying to, you know, I think trying to even up, and then it went, and then the number of scholarships, 
and then it went somehow there was a 10 percent or something like that and somebody um, could probably correct me if i'm wrong on that that they went back to made it 11.7 there was a mathematical decision made by the ncaa uh, for it to land like that right. obviously with i think for coaches it would have been baseball coaches it certainly would have been a lot easier if it had been 12 or 13 just from a math you know making you know making it pencil out but um, I, I think that was the reason. All right. Uh, now, Coach, uh, this Longhorn team, let's talk some specifics with Texas. They took two out of three at TCU. I know yesterday was disappointing as TCU got after the pitching staff a little bit. Tanner Witt struggled early trying to, to find it and control that emotion. We've talked about Tanner and his comeback uh, every Tuesday, and we got to see it yesterday, and it was maybe as expected. Uh, you know, adrenaline was pumping. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of nerves here, finally getting back on the mound for the first time in you know, 14 months and compete, you know, facing a live live batter and on the road in a hostile place. Uh, what'd you what'd you make of it, and how do you think this goes forward with Tanner? Well, I know I heard Craig Way say earlier that Coach Pierce was going to talk some more about it this afternoon, and he's going to know a lot more. He and Woody both are going to know a lot more about what they thought or what they saw or what they were looking for. But just, you know, for me sitting out and I was watching it, um, you could have you could have kind of guessed it on that first pitch. A young man was so excited to be out there, and I mean, I'm sure he had a smile on his face. He may not have shown it, um, but he was so fired up and probably so amped up to be out there uh, on that mound to have his spikes in that dirt again, which is a special place for him because he's so competitive and he loves being out there so much. Um, you could have almost guessed that first pitch was probably going to be an elevated type fastball because he was so excited and proud and, and happy in a long journey, long, lonely journey sometimes through injuries to get to that point again. But he threw, in my opinion, you know, and again, I, I, everybody's different in what they saw and what they think and what they, you know, moving forward, what that relates to. Um, I, I thought he threw some really good angle fastballs in there. Um, you know, the, even the breaker that he might have grazed the young man's thigh with, I thought it had tremendous rotation to it and great depth to it, just too close to the hitter. I mean, that's something that he'll experience over time, his release point and getting that back to where he was before. And uh, it's different than throwing the, you know, the inter-squad games or sim games and bullpens. And when you get out there and really get a different colored jersey out there, particularly somebody who loves to compete like he does. And so it was probably a different moment for him again. It's an experience. You can write it off to an experience part of it and moving forward. And so there were some good things. I thought his velo was good, but they wouldn't have let him out there if his velo wouldn't have been good anyway. And uh, and so I thought there were some things that moving forward for him that, you know, that, that, that once he gets going again to be that guy, but trying to find that release point, trying to find that rhythm, trying to find that timing for a pitcher is the same for a hitter as well. And, uh, and he'll find that because he, you know, again, that young man is such a competitor, um, loves to be out there. And, and uh, so moving forward, it's experience and that it'd be fun to watch him get a chance to go back out there soon. Uh, Texas will be at Kansas this weekend and, uh, you know, the big 12 it's, it's May now. I mean, you know, this, uh, coach, uh, it's, it's go time, right? If, if Saturday in college in golf is moving day, May in college baseball is go time. You've got to, uh, put it all together. You know, all the issues need to be, uh, you know, buttoned up and it's time to go because Longhorns have four series left. The big 12 is still out there with West Virginia on top of it, but really a jumbled mess beyond it. What's, uh, what's the message for, for coach Trout at Texas state and for, for coach Pierce here at Texas in this, this final month of the regular season? Oh, they, they understand it as good and better than anybody. They, they understand that this time of year that if you can stay healthy um, because you start to get dinged up 
uh, this time of year and your depth becomes a, uh, a role play as well, if it hadn't already, um, and trying to, you know, keep your health about you, but um, trying to continue to play with consistency. And, and uh, you know, the thing that, you know, Texas has been able to do for uh, quite some time this year has been impressive to me. And, again, I, I look at it differently than some. Uh, I think their defense has been unbelievable, and it's been able to help them win some games and trying to stay consistent with that. Uh, if you go back and you look at this past weekend, what LBJ did coming out of the, out of the bullpen was, awesome. was really good. I mean, I, I got – oh, he's just – that angle on that fastball at 93 and 96 and, you know, a splitter and, his, you know, being able to rotate a slider in there now for strikes is really fun to watch and – and really exciting, and you know, Hessen Toll went out, got you know three quick outs in the ninth in game one, one, two, three, and looked really good, you know, with with his fastball slider command. And so there were some pieces out of this weekend I thought were were good for them trying to grab some consistency, and that's what they're working towards as well. And but there's still some RPI points that you need to gobble up that you can, but you got to win, and uh, and everybody understands that in May that you know you take the body of work of what you've been doing all year long. You hope you stay healthy. You hope that the you know some guys retain and remain confident in their abilities of what they've done so far, moving into the playoff type atmosphere, which is what May really is. Is the whole month is a playoff, and and trying to to manage that. And then for Texas State, same thing. You know they had to go on the road as Texas did. They had to go on the road and at least win two out of three, uh, and they were able to at, at Old Dominion. And uh, Texas State did a great job. Um, of pitching on, on game one on Friday. And uh, Levi was really good. And then they came back on Saturday. Roby was good I'm, I'm on the doubleheader again. And he was good as well. And then, um, you know, Sunday they had the, the it got kind of, uh, you know, interesting for them, had a lead early in the game. And then they tied the game up in the ninth, bottom of the ninth. And Texas State had to come back after losing all the momentum. Had to come back in the 10th inning and score two after, you know, giving up a lead, which shows a lot about that team and their resiliency and, and who they're becoming and their personality and their ability to understand what made, you know, means for them. And so everybody's got to gobble up. It's like playing Pac-Man. You've got to win the games and gobble up the games you're supposed to win. And then the games that have good RBI value to them, you got to really get in there and gobble them up to try to put yourself in a position RPI-wise moving forward for the NCAA committee to feel good about where they're putting you and uh, and your placement into the NCAA. And then also, as all of it, if you can really get busy this month of May and stay healthy and start getting some momentum and get some guys that have been pretty good players for you, then all of a sudden one or two of them really start to elevate and start to take their play to a different level, man, it makes it exciting and fun. And some of those guys, you can really start seeing yourself win some big games, late in games, and do some really fun and exciting things. So college baseball, and and most everybody kind of like, it's a long season. Yeah, it is. It's always fun to me and you and and Bucky. But this month of May is when college baseball gets at its highest level, and it's fun to watch. Coach, we appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Longhorns only two more Big 12 series. There's three series total. they got a San Jose State series in there out of, out of conference to even out the, the, the conference schedule. So the Longhorns have uh, Kansas this weekend, then that big home series with West Virginia. We talk about RPI points. West Virginia is sitting atop the Big 12 right now at 11-4. and four. The Longhorns will get them the 18th, 19th, and 20th of the month ahead of the uh, Big 12 baseball tournament. So only two Big 12 series left. Skip, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Thanks, Ty. Appreciate it, bud. Hey, you guys, I'll see you all next Monday again at um, 
Coach, uh, coaches versus oh, yes. the golf UT golf course. Thank you, Steve Tremier, for allowing us to come out there and put on this event. I know you guys are going to be set up out there. Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's still availability. I think maybe for one or two more teams, if somebody's got some interest to jump in there, you can go on the Cancer Society website and look it up, or text me, and I'll be happy to send you the information. But I really and truly appreciate you two guys and what you guys are going to be able to do for a cause that's certainly dear to a lot of people's hearts and certainly mine, and we appreciate what you guys are doing that. Bucky, I, I, and for you to be doing it on the heels of the of your golf tournament and uh, the mullet open and all that means a lot, too. So we really appreciate that very much. Looking forward to it, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Ty Harrington, yeah, the Coaches versus Cancer Golf Tournament. Yours is on Friday. Monday, there's at, the 8th. Uh, the mullet open, and then the 8th, the Monday, we'll be live at the beautiful UT Golf Club. So back-to-back courses, back-to-back shows at golf courses. Uh, UT Club on Monday, uh, down at the Lost Pines Friday. Country Club, Lost Pines Club, part of the Hyatt Resort. Uh, we'll be there on Friday and then back out at uh, UT Club. And that's a big one. That's Coaches versus Cancer. That's the Jimmy V group. And, uh, man, they raised so much money. And I know Ty Harrington has had his battle with cancer. He'll be out there with us. Rodney Terry's going to be out there and many, many other coaches. So we're looking forward to being there. And the mullet open on Friday, of course. We'll come back. We'll talk some Texas baseball. Two conference series left, three total. Uh, you know, the Longhorns will play their last three road games this weekend at Kansas. The rest are at home. And then they're off to the Big 12 tournament babies. and then tournament baseball beyond that. Uh, getting Tanner Whit back and at least get his feet wet was a good thing to see. We'll come back, pick up the conversations of a Tuesday here on The Horn. It's Bucky and Aaron. Hey, always good to see Casey Studdard wandering around the uh, old radio ranch over here. He is uh, in the house. What's up, Case? What's going on, fellas? Hey, how was Garth Brooks on Thursday night? Man, that whole MJ and M was just insane. Was it great? It was awesome. You know, you get, you know, just, it's it's cool because you get that that. There's not a hundred thousand people. There's not fifty thousand people. It's you know four or five thousand. It's or I don't even know how many fit in that place. But you know when it first started, they used to promote it heavily. Now they hardly do because it's all packed and they sell out and they oh, don't yeah. even really have to advertise it. Which so it kind of comes and goes. But th- those that are there, it's not like a mob scene. You just they have a good time. Yeah, I mean last year they had Chris Stapleton. This year they had Garth Brooks. I mean, <laughs> they, what do you go next? Yeah. George Strait's the only way you can Goodness. go. George Strait's the only thing you can do to top that. What did Garth put on like a big, big strong show or do a lot of acoustic stuff? What did he do? Yeah, all acoustic sitting up front. And I mean, but he still has high energy, you know, and all that kind of He's stuff. Got a lot He's, of energy, doesn't that? Yeah, dude? great energy. Awesome. Did you play any good golf? And you got some not? high energy, and you better not come out there the mullet open thinking you're going to come out minus 27 and all that hey, stuff. Hey, I'm trying to tell you, me, Selvin Young, Lyle Sinline, listen to this, and he. two others won MJ and M on Friday, 18 under. Give me the name, Selvin. About who's, 18. Who's, who's the stick out there? We had a girl on our team. Oh! <laughs> Hitting from the red tee. Hey, so... so The front, the, the forward tee, so we call them. I mean, our, our, regardless, if we had a bad drive, we're hitting, you know, Wedges in. I mean, we're, we eagled every par five. Now, see, what I tell you, he's the well, guy that listen, has if you have a, every if you par have five. A, you have to. That's the only way you can win a tournament. That's right. If you have a, if you have you a have female from fives. the forward tees who can put it down the middle... Oh, that gives you a huge advantage. Huge advantage. He said he was hitting wedge, little wedges. 120, 150 all oh. day. What? That's that's all. That's, that's Selvin, you, Lyle, and who else? Um, just to their, um, what are they called? Their contractors or whatever. Awesome. They do all that. I love this for you guys. You want it. Would you want, would you, did you win the one at UT Club? or? At, uh, at no, there's uh, there's some. Real there's players some out there. 20, 20 something. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh there's some 28 out awesome there. I mean, there's, I mean. Pff. What, are they going to pay their way for some? No, I mean, you can just see. You're like, oh, that team's going to crush it. <laughs> 
You know, what I mean? flat like, bellies over there. That, that guy has a beautiful right to left, and it's just oh yeah, just some lighting in 295 there. Two ninety five roped every time. You're like, oh great. No, Selden's a good stick. He's is he a good player. He's played so much damn golf the last. Where's he living these days? He's, Down in, in, Houston. he's in Houston. Yeah. I noticed you're starting to play a little bit of golf. No, start- just I I played I played three rounds this year. I'm gonna play one more. Uh, Friday with you guys, and then I probably Shut won't play for a while. <laughs> what uh, I mean, it's time I just, to start cooking? I, I, gotta, no, I think yeah, that's I mean, pretty cool to uh, see all all your old buddies and catch up. Kind of like a reunion for you guys when Mac and Jack and McConaughey roll in. Yeah, you know Thursday, the tournament Thursdays. You know, you kind of roll in and you got to kind of sit down, eat breakfast, and chill with everybody and talk. And I was you coach. Know. You have a lot of energy. He still got a lot of energy. Yeah, to coach, coach that game. Coach looked good. And we talked to Mac last week on the show as they sent you guys out, which was a lot of fun and good to hear him. And uh, the event went well, raised a ton of money as usual. And uh, Garth Brooks, pretty cool. Hey, also, it's draft week. We always like to tell your draft story. What what was draft weekend like for you when you were selected? I was at my I were in, I was in Colorado at my mom's house, and uh, I knew I wasn't going first day, so <laughs> kind of just hung out. You, you know, knew you could, you could chill? Yeah, I knew I could chill. And second day, finally... Um, Mike Tomlin called me. Steelers. He goes, he goes, "Hey, if the Texans don't take you, we'll take the next. We're gonna pick you." And I was like, "All right, cool." I was like, "I'm going to Pittsburgh." And then the next, and then eight three two number popped up, and it was Coach Kube. And I was like, "All right, well, I'm headed here." Gary so. Kubiak calling you. Yeah, no, it was cool though. I mean, got drafted. You know, had some beers, drank. Mike Shanahan came over, brought me a box of cigars. Me and him sat there and pitch washers and smoked cigars for a while and talked football, so that was cool. Oh, man. Well, and five Longhorns, or at least, no, it's seven or eight Longhorns now off to the NFL, at least uh, either a draft pick or preferred. How about uh, Bijan, eighth pick overall? I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a talent. I mean, I didn't see him going to Atlanta, though. Atlanta had no quarterback. Well, the right. Desmond Ritter, who they took last year out of Cincinnati, they believe is if they can put enough weapons around him, can be a pretty good quarterback for well, them. Yeah, anywhere he goes, he's going to be fine. Yeah, which was cool. Uh, I actually picked Atlanta, and then Phil- I think Philadelphia was going to take him if Atlanta didn't, and their trade for DeAndre Swift probably backed that up. But uh, and, he- go ahead, Buck. In case, let me ask you this: How did your dad did, when you got drafted? Your dad? I mean, that must be the culmination of something. I mean, he how proud was he? To see that happen for you, I mean, he was. I mean, we. I mean, you did a lot a of things at, together. Yeah, we had a party at his house too, and a bunch of sashimi and all that good stuff. You know? <laughs> Ooh, the yeah. good Ooh, stuff. The good stuff. Tuna, you know, but no, um, yeah, you know, you put in so much hard work, and and he always told me when I was a kid, you know, when I first got to Texas, he goes, "Hey, he goes, school comes first, football, will be, you know, mm-hmm. football is going to be there." Were you? But you, were you, get, you know what I mean. So you know, he didn't play that game. That that whole. No, you know, he's like, you can't play football if you don't. If you don't. Get your, your, get your work done. Get your work. You were two thousand seven. Yeah, I think two thousand six draft was a hell of a draft for the Horns. Was yeah, it six, six or seven? Six draft. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is, you got to you got drafted along a bunch of your teammates, right? It was, that was like coming off yeah. the national championship team, so you were happy for yourself. But at the same time, you got to sit there and cheer when when Vince went third. And yeah, we had that year was Terrell Brown, Tim Crowder, Brian Robinson, Justin Blaylock, wow. um, uh, Aaron Ross, Mike G. Um. Yeah. So you were seven. Lyle. Yeah. You were the seven draft. You didn't go in Vince's draft. You you played another year, right? You played with. Cole yeah. Okay. And, yeah. So I was old seven. So you years. were the seven draft. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, another great draft for for Longhorns. Are we getting back to that? Do you feel like the Longhorns are on their way? That five this dra- year, and maybe maybe we had five more? this year. Five that were drafted. Yeah. I mean, Bijan, Roshan, Demarion, free yeah. agents, Demo, and then of course Keandre Coburn and uh, Morrow both got picked. I think I picked in the sixth, seventh round. Yeah, like Morrow got picked by the Eagles. That's good. That'd be and good then the him. Chiefs, the Chiefs grabbed Keandre. The Chiefs did. Yeah, well, that's sixth good. round. 
So yeah, five this year, coming off a year where there were none. And you already look at the way too early silly mock drafts of next year, and you're seeing guys like our, our our next first round draft pick guarantee is at left tackle. Oh, Kelvin Banks. I He'll gave be this, a top ten pick. Gave this number the other day, but think about him to put on his resume as a true freshman at Texas. True freshman, eighteen years old. Kelvin Banks faced four guys who that following April went in the first round of the draft. Four first round draft picks: Will Anderson. Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, Will McDonald from Iowa State, and uh, and Uduke Ozoma of uh, of Kansas State went yeah. to Kansas City with the thirty first pick. In four matches, he faced all of them, gave up zero sacks. Oh yeah, no, I mean he's a he's a he's he's a special. I mean he's a special talent. He's a big guy and he's humble. He's not, you know, is he just a, na- a prodigy? Does this, I mean, I know he works his tail off, but yeah, man. He works tail, but he's he just he has good technique. He doesn't. He doesn't overkick, underkick. I mean, there's a few things that he he got beat on last year. You know what I mean? But film, that's just film that's study just, guy. I bet you he loves that film study. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't I haven't really asked mm. the coaches about who's the film study guys. What's going on at Whitfield? You guys doing mostly catering right now? Are you? You've yeah, got mostly people? catering. But I'll be open this uh, this Saturday, Sunday for uh, a bunch of graduation stuff. Texas graduation, graduation. That's right. And all that kind of stuff. So good to see you, buddy. Good seeing you guys. I will see you Friday, buddy. Casey Stutter, the Lifetime Longhorn, hanging out. Thank you to Ty Harrington. Thank you to Jerry Hamilton. And, of course, good stuff with Kurt Godby. And confidence game at Churchill Downs coming up on Saturday. Uh, Good to get behind the scenes in that great story and that horse that is 20 to 1 right now, Buck. You feeling it? I'm feeling it. 20 to 1? I'm feeling it. I feel like a hundy across. Hundy? Well, I mean, you have to help me with that. Yeah. Hey, we'll uh, check you tomorrow, 6 a.m. If you missed any part of it, any of those conversations, hit it up on the website, hornfm.com. The podcast is there.